Welcome to the Brain Food Show. This one seems a little bit out of order because this is like a follow-up on... This is the first time we've done like a continuation of a series that wasn't sequential because this is macabre. It was a request by by uh, a listener. Cecilia Spears requested that we do one for Halloween, so we're doing this one. Ah, yeah. Last time we discussed this, we had like a quote from Cecilia about that yeah. she'd like to see it. And I think we said, of course, it would come for a woman because they love murder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. Uh, so here you are, Cecilia Spears. Yeah. You're welcome. And everyone else who likes Macabre, you're also welcome. Yeah. Anyone who doesn't like Macabre, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, what are what are, what are we talking about then today? Today we are talking about the vampire of Sinkota, and also a hor- a horrific love story, which which we are titling. Please don't tell me this is the one about the weird fake dead woman with the plastic face and uh, stuff. Spoiler. And... Oh, dude, I remember that. Did we do a video about this? A or rose. Something? Or did I just read? This We're going to title it "A Rose for Carl." Ah, oh, this is nasty. But also, yeah. Touching yeah. in a really twisted way. Yeah. This guy really loved this woman that he barely knew. Uh, I'm going to bring that up at the end of this episode. And I think you should feel slight shame. It's so horrible. It's, it is. This guy would, didn't love this woman. This guy was mentally disturbed. A bit. <laughs> a, a bit. A lot. <laughs> this, is a, this is a horrific love story. That's an appropriate title. So two stories in the episode mm-hmm. today then. Yeah. And we'll start with a quick fact. Uh, so... You know, always quick fact. Yeah, so you have those zebra striped crosswalks. Everybody knows these, right? These are a thing in Europe. Yes, zebra. I yeah. think you mean zebra. <laughs> uh, so yes, and the these. And I think we call them. I think we call them pelican crossings. Really? That might be something different. Because oh, wait, there's also a zebra crossing, but there's something called a pelican crossing as well. What's a pelican I'm adding crossing? into the follow-up notes. I'm not going to do it right now. Okay. I've already delayed you enough. All right. So these turns out you are more likely. To be hit by a car if you use one of these, 28% more likely, according to a study done on the roads of New Zealand, to be hit by a car than if you jaywalked, if you go on these. 100% belief. This doesn't even surprise, I'm sorry, this doesn't surprise me. Because, like, when you see that, you're like, the car's going to stop for me. And so you kind of, you're like, I'm going to make a move. He's going a little bit too fast, but I'm going to make a move because he should stop for me. It's my right of way. And then boom. Yeah, this is exactly what happens. They noted in the study (laughs) that they actually, of the pedestrians, when they were observing all this, the people who used crosswalks often didn't even look. They just went. They didn't look to see if anyone was coming. Mm -hmm. They just walk and just assume people are going to stop. And this is a thing that happens. Those people... They do not live in Prague. You will be killed. <laughs> yeah. As, it's the worst drivers ever. <laughs> and then there was also a similar study done in the US, uh, and it also showed uh-huh. the exact same thing. There was the caveat, though. If there's like a stop sign or stoplight or flashing lights crosswalk, then it was actually safer as long as you push the button or whatever, you know, and it was your turn to go. But if if it was just the, the zebra crosswalk, this mm-hmm. this was you were twenty eight you know more likely to get hit by hit by a car than if you just jaywalked, uh, so it actually makes it not as safe. Jay- jaywalking is like I didn't grow up with jaywalking being a thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's not a crime by us. Like in the UK, yeah, in it's, the US I, you can it's a crime here in Czech. But. Yeah, in the US you can get like a ticket or whatever. I mean, I don't yeah. they don't usually because you know I, I got in trouble in the states like because I didn't realize this was a thing. Yeah, I th- kind of thought really this is it was like. Yeah. I was in I was in Atlanta in Georgia and I just you know there's no crossing around or it's like a while away so I'm just like look left and right yeah. and then a policeman's like hey I'm like what's up and he's like you shouldn't cross the street there and I'm like 
I'm sorry. And then he's like, on your way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'll never do that again. Yeah. He probably heard your accent and I was did. like, I'm not going to give him a ticket. He's not even going to pay it. <laughs> this poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so uh, this brings us around. You might, a lot of people think jaywalk, the name comes from the letter J. So you kind of the way you might walk, you know, kind of walk a little bit, look and then cross. And that is not where that comes from. It turns out it's actually an insult term. J it was sort of like back in the day calling someone like a hick, but like not in like a friendly way or a redneck or something. It was like a really like yeah. you're an idiot, like you're a stupid country bumpkin type thing. Um, I like how you said, like, someone who's an idiot, dull, a rube. <laughs> I didn't know what a rube was. I've heard it, like, in old American movies or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you're such a rube. Yeah, Con- but country bumpkin or whatever. That was an insult. Whatever you want to <laughs> call it. So this was actually, like, a genuine insult. And such so, a rube. Yeah, and so it was kind of looking at the jaywalk was, of course, people in the earliest days of the cars, people would just, I mean, roads you were used for walking or horses and uh-huh. carriages and stuff. And so they were, you know, people just walked in the road. And so it was kind of the idea people would come in from the country and walk in the city streets in the road when the cars were trying to go. And so it was like, oh, you jaywalker or whatever. And so this this became like quite the like a little insult thing. And so <laughs> oh, you jaywalker, you. Yeah. And this was there was actually a dra- J driver, which was sort of the the counter of that was like you're you know, the the road should be ours, you stupid J driver. Um, you know, someone in a nowadays car. it would mean like a guy just driving on the pavement. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. Oh, sorry, the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All over the yeah, and so this was kind of a, you know, there was actually anti-pedestrian campaigns by automo like advertisements to try to get pedestrians off the roads for make room for cars and stuff. This was actually a thing, mm-hmm. and so this this is kind of how the term got popularized and uh, kind of grew from there. And that is where jaywalk comes from. Wow, there you go, Jay. It's unfortunate. So at some point, Jay became a name, right? People can be called Jay, yeah, or is that just short for? It's something? usually short Jason. for like John, also like Jonathan. Uh-huh. That sort of thing. People often say Jay. Whatever. Jay, I'm sure there's Jay. other names too, like you say Jason or whatever. Yeah. Quite like it. Yeah. Quite like the name of Jay. Anyway, that's uh is that the quick fact? That's the that's the quick fact, or kind of two quick facts, but uh so before moving into the main content, do you wanna we've got a new sponsor, dude? Do you oh, know these guys? Good. Uh Lou Merritt. That's nice because this is getting uh, even more expensive, the last bill. Yeah, uh, I don't even want I, I don't know. Let's not mention it. It seems like too, too businessy. <laughs> like more uh, than the last time. Okay. Well, I see. Like they update me in the the stats. The stats come into the to the email. It's like you got this many downloads. We got like twenty thousand downloads last week. Well, that's a lot you're of downloads. You're like, yeah, fifty per. You're like fifty percent more than last month. But then you see the bill and you're like, oh, no. what a coincidence! Fifty percent more than last month. <laughs> well, good news. Lou Merritt are sponsoring us. And I've got to be so careful. If I call them Lumerit during this this little ad thing, have a go at me because I had to redo the... It's... It, I don't know if it's just my British pronunciation, but I want to pronounce it Lumerit so bad, but it's Lumerit because there's like a merit and it's got to do with academia. So I'm actually going to get into what they want me to say rather than the stuff that they probably don't want me to say because it's not on brand. <laughs> but uh, so basically, I was looking into this and I was thinking like you and I, we both went to college or as I would call it university. You've wielded your computer knowledge multiple times. Uh, how many computer episodes did we do in the end? Uh, three. Three. Okay. So you used three of those. And I felt great in those ones because I'd be like, hey, I don't understand this. And you'll be like, well, actually, Simon, I learned about this at <laughs> unit of college. I spent, yeah. I spent many, many thousands of dollars to learn about this and never use it. And this is what Lou Merritt basically does well no that sounds bad they don't take your thousands of dollars <laughs> but they work out how it will cost you thousands of dollars less 
to get a university degree or a college degree or finish a college degree. Like if you started it and you didn't quite get all the way through, basically they look at what is the most efficient way, both in terms of time and money to get the credits you need. By the way, also, we don't have a credit system, so I'm not really sure what I'm saying here. What does it mean when it's like you, they work out the most With, efficient way to get credits? Uh, so you'll have like a class and it might be worth, depending on how you know many times you go a week, or whatever, it might be worth like three credits or something towards, you know, this like electives, like you might, you might need 20 credits of electives of something in a, you know, and so then you can take, you know, one class might have three credits or one might have four or whatever. And so you take it and then just whatever you kind of add them up uh, to, to when you can actually graduate or whatever, when you've completed all your credit requirements. So you like collect points basically. And then when you got enough points, basically. they give you a degree. Yeah. Kind of. And there are also points that you get that don't count towards your degree. Uh, it's possible. It depends on, uh, like I did for like 10 years. <laughs> uh, if you, Numerical if actually... perfect for you, man. <laughs> yeah. So basically what they do is they work out like, what is the most efficient way to get those credits that you need so you can actually graduate on time? And I was thinking like, back in the day, this would be less useful to me. But now if I was looking to finish a degree as like someone who works a lot, this would be great. You just like, hey, Lumerit, go calculate exactly what I need to get my degree. Also mm -hmm. saves you money. And I'm more familiar with it now, but I remember being a student at university in the UK and I was, you know, you'd, as you do, you'd binge watch TV shows. I was watching Scrubs and then the character of JD just casually mentions that he's $150,000 in debt. And as like 19 year old Simon, he's like, whoa, dude, you're like only 10 years older than me. I can't imagine any anyway. So, uh. Don't let that be you, mm -hmm. essentially. Don't mm -hmm. mean you have to live in your parents' basement until you die. Um, possibly from vitamin D deficiency because you live in a basement. But uh, yeah, Lumerit, they basically run the calculations for you. You go to the website, I should say the website, go to lumerit.com, which is L-U-M-E-R-I-T.com forward slash brain food. Go into there, they run some calculations. The, you plug in a little bit of information, they run the calculations and they tell you basically how much it's going to cost, how long it's going to take and how much money you save through them. Then they basically tell you you can take these classes online, you can take these ones in person. And then... So I was like, all right, but I'm then going to graduate from like online university of like someplace I've never heard of in like some like <laughs> tiny village. And it's like, no, I looked at the list of schools and it's like, oh, I know these. These are like, I, I assume if I've heard of a US institution, it's generally impressive because it's like, you know, you're not going to hear about the, mm -hmm. the average school in the middle of nowhere. Um, so yeah, you can graduate from a school that you choose. Lots of good ones. So that's Lumerit. Did I do it? I feel like as someone who doesn't really know the university system in the US. I think like mm -hmm. researching for this little ad spot, I learned a bit about it. That's actually a nice, nice system there. They have. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Check it out. Lumerit, L-U-M-E-R-I-T dot com forward slash brain food. And go through that link because then it shows Lumerit that we're doing a good job and actually getting people to go and look at those things. So yeah, I've got like the self-paced courses here I'm looking at for business, criminal justice, Ooh. general education, lots of stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, that's that. That's it. Okay, let's let's get dark, shall we? That was the yeah. that was the lighter part of our chat today. Now let's. Well, talk we about we death. do have a love story at the end. Do we, it is not a love story. It is a love story. Everyone's got. <laughs> People are gonna be like, "What is he talking about? This guy's crazy." <laughs> it is a crazy love story and very dark. Yeah, and gross. It's not like the Princess Bride. No, which I still haven't seen. Yeah, no. Is that is a love story, right? That is a love story. Okay. Yeah. 
It's not like the prince. It's not like this. It's not like the Princess Bride, right? Well, in the Princess Bride, they do mention like even death cannot part them. So that's like a theme of the thing. Oh. I'm not going to spoil stuff. I'll just say there's a thing with death when you watch it. So and love. Okay. So kind of. I think everyone's seen the Princess Bride, though, except for me. Well, I didn't want to spoil it for you. So. Oh, okay. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, but first, the vampire of Sinkotan? Yeah. So this, okay. where there's a guy, there's this guy named Bella Kiss, who lived in Sinkota, Hungary in 19... 19- it's a cool name. Yeah, totally. Bella Kiss. Apparently, he was quite handsome, um, which was, as you'll see, served him well in his exploits. Uh, yeah. And uh, he was a farrier and tinsmith, was what he did for his profession, and very, apparently, mm-hmm. charming, intelligent, super handsome, you know blonde hair, blue eyed type of thing. And uh, he yeah. rented a house in Nine Cossus Street. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he lived there approximately 11 years. He married, after, I should say, he moved there and then he lived there about 11 years and then he married a woman mm-hmm. named Marie because uh, everyone na- everyone's name was Mary or Marie back then. Um, which everywhere apparently. Where is this? Hungary? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so this is a year later, 1912. Marie, unfortunately for him, started having an affair with a guy called Paul Bicari. He was an artist. Uh, and soon after, Bicari and, and Marie, they immigrated to America, according to Kiss. That's what he said. Uh huh. Look, I've seen enough CSI to know it's always the husband. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so shortly after this disappearance, uh, Kiss, he started frequently a lot of brothels as, as men of the era did. And then a single uh-huh. man of the era and stuff. And also not single often. <laughs> but, um, and so the uh, so then he also, but at the same time, he started courting, you know, he's looking for a new wife. And so he's placing yeah. ads in the classifieds and particularly in Budapest nearby, which was, I think uh, it was like... We talked about this in a previous episode yeah, about the whole... Yeah. Thing. Looking for wives, like yeah. how that was the thing. That was totally like the online dating of the of the era was, it was kind of interesting. People would send pictures and that and everything. So mm-hmm. he's doing that in Budapest. It's a little bit away from his town. I think, I don't know. I think it was something like 10 miles or what is that? Like 15 kilometers or something. I don't know. Something around that ballpark. Sure, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. So this, um, not long after his wife disappears, though, people start noticing, hey, this Kiss guy, like in his house, right outside his house, he's accumulating an awful lot of metal drums with no one really knows what's in them, but he's just, you know, accumulating them. And at some point, someone must have got suspicious of something because they reported him to the police. So the police come by and to see what's in these barrels. And they come by and he tells them it's gasoline for because World War World War One's coming up, so he's just rationing, you know, getting some barrels I'm of gasoline. Right, had to say it's probably not gasoline, is it? Uh, we'll, we'll have to see. <laughs> but uh, the police, you know, doing their thorough work, did did not open the barrels. They just took him at his word and and left. So <laughs> this dashing gentleman, he could impossibly commit yeah, crimes. Exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, then the war starts, and in 1914, Kiss was conscripted to fight in World War One, and he went and he fought in the 40th Hanvid Infantry Brigade. And uh, yeah, he left his house to his housekeeper to just take care of um, at Nine Casas Street. And so this this is where uh, things start to... I mean, there's a little bit uh, conflicting accounts and stuff. It gets a little more concrete on the details here in a bit. But for now, it's, uh, it seems like a couple years later, sometime in that span, uh, it started to get rumored around town that Kiss had died in the war because um, there was uh, some pretty heavy fighting where his, his unit or was stationed in the Carpathian Mountains. And people just thought he was dead. No one had heard from him in a while. So the his landlord was like, all right, I'm going to re-let this house out. So I'm going to find a new tenant. So he goes there. 
he goes there and this is where it's conflicting accounts is whether the police were like, hey, I remember there was that gasoline, you know, where they have gasoline shortages. Of course, there was gasoline. This guy was storing in barrels. He's not around anymore. Let's just go take his barrels of gasoline or the the or probably more likely the landlord himself was like my tenant's gone and, it was, uh, and he goes. And so there's kind of conflicting counts, as to which is the case. But either way, he goes, he sees the barrels and again, supposedly he got some odor or something coming from them. And so he calls the police to investigate, but that seems weird. Why wouldn't he just open them himself just to see if that was yeah. the case? Uh, and more likely as the landlord, he's probably like, what's in these barrels here, you know, that's left by my old tenant. So, and then maybe, yeah. maybe he opened them and then was like, whoa, I see what's in these. I'm going to seal it back up and call the police. But either way, however, the police ended up there. The police did end up there after a couple of years um, after, you know, he was sent to war. And so the Mrs. Yakubuk, Yakubuk, Sure. Yeah, uh, she she's the la- she's been taking care of the house, and she uh, protests opening of the barrels quite vehemently. And so, mm-hmm. but they they're like, yeah, we're gonna do it anyway. So in July of 1916, they open the metal drums, and rather than finding gasoline, they discover each one contained an extremely well preserved nude body. Of, oh my God! What a surprise! <laughs> yeah, bodies, bodies. <laughs> but well preserved. That's interesting because of how long they've been sitting there. So, but uh, not that well. Wasn't there a smell? Oh uh, well, but you'll see. Like they were, they were pretty well preserved because of the methods okay. he used. Uh, so, twenty-three women was what was in there, including his former wife Marie, and the one they didn't emigrate. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what? Who would have known? Yeah. Uh, and then the one man he killed. One man. It was Paul Bakari. Uh, and presumably killed. Oh, that was the affair. Yeah, husband. yeah. The the yeah. Presumably the he killed more people during the war, so that could add to his tally, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so the so yeah, they didn't skip town. Turns out no. And no, so this is where he did not. Finally, the details start to become a little more concrete because of a, a investigation was of course launched and led by Detective Carol Carolee Nagy. Carolee Nagy, maybe. Yeah, Nagy. Don't know. Yeah. So to begin with, of course, they're like. Miss Yakubuk, why were you protesting these barrels be opened? And so they immediately arrested her because they were, you know, suspicious of the whole thing. And she was his housekeeper for a long time and taking care of the house. And so, yeah. And also Kiss had left her uh, money in his will. So she, they thought, mm-hmm. you know, they seemed to be close or whatever. So they arrested her, but she was later let, okay. let go. They didn't find any evidence to indicate that she was involved in anything. Um, so, but they did search the house. Why was she so keen? Like, don't look in the barrels. Don't look in the barrels. Yeah, it's possible. Like, maybe he told him, like, don't let anyone open the barrels or something. And like, that's your job or something. Yeah. I don't like, maybe he was like, don't let <laughs> anyone like, steal my gasoline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, she got cleared either way. And then, um, yeah, so then they started looking to see his kiss himself. Is he alive or is he still alive or is he dead? Oh, right. Because they didn't know if he was, yeah. he might have been killed, right? Yeah. So, and, the, and then they kind of. That would suck if you'd gone to war. You'd like, fought, assuming you weren't like a horrible serial killer. Yeah. You'd gone to war, you fought for your country. And as you come back, someone's thrown away all your stuff and you don't have a place to live. Yeah. And you're like, thanks. Yeah, thanks, guys. And probably. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah, so they they discover a room in his house when they're in the process of investigating and uh, this whole thing. And so they see mm-hmm. uh, there's a room and he, uh, Mrs. Yakubuk said, uh, yeah, he told me I was never allowed to go in that room. And in the room they found yeah. uh, 175 uh, women had been presently writing him marriage proposals. Uh, I thought you were just going to stop there at they found 175 No, women. that would be a big room. <laughs> No, they, it was just various letters that he was getting at the time. Uh, people responded, uh-huh. women responding to his newspaper ads with photos. So they had photos of over 70 women that had sent him, you know, going. And then yeah. they also found books on poisoning and strangulation. I'm sort of describing things with that. 
Wait, like <laughs> books on poisoning. Well, like, I, I assume like books on poisoning, like a, a, but also like effective stra- strangulation one one. Yeah, like just probably assume like strangulation for dummies. medical texts, probably or something. Oh, like on the uh, like dealing with strangulation or like not how to strangulate. Yeah, and then like the, and poisoning and treatments and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, it turns out going all the way back to 1903, which was eight years before he married Maria. Oh, no. So he had been, that's when he started his little murderous spree. And um, two of two of the ladies, they the bodies they found, actually, they had court proceedings against Kiss when, at the time, basically to recover money from him. And uh, and they disappeared. And they both disappeared when an investigation came, when they were uh, sort of meeting with a guy named Hoffman, which it very much turned out Kiss, that was sort of his alias that he would use. He would go into Budapest and he would call himself Hoffman and, you know, pursue these women. And particularly he wanted affluent women, women who had money that he could take. And um, it's not really clear whether he killed all the women he took money from or whether he just kind of the ones that he had to marry to get the money or promised to marry to get the money or the ones who were going to sue him or take him to court when he took their money. And so then he would kill them. It's not really clear whether these were okay. basically it's not really clear whether these 23 women were the only ones you know, or whether there was more that he just didn't kill. He just wanted their money. And if he could get it, you know, fine. But either way, either way, he would, his basic method was to try to convince these women to marry him and then sort of sign over their funds to him, you know, as, as a part of that. And hopefully, you know, before he actually had to marry them. And, uh, and then once that would happen, he would just, you know, kill them, it seems. And so as as an example, they had, one of them was named Catherine Varga and she was courted by courted by him. She goes, she sells her business, which she had in Budapest. She was a seamstress. And then she leaves with him, leaves town with him. And that was the last anyone ever saw of her. So she left town with her money and uh, he took it and killed her. And she was found in the metal drums. And so this brings us to why is he called the vampire of Sincota? Sincota. I wanted to say the, the CH. Uh, why was he called the vampire of Sincota? And so this, the police, they discovered that in the process of, of what he would do with the bodies, he would strangle them. That was kind of how he killed them. Then he would, for some reason, puncture their necks and drain all the blood out. And it's not really clear why he did this. Uh, but the Yeah, but the police, uh, I mean, maybe like a preservation thing. He was going like, like a deer where you like bleed, you know, after you shoot. I don't know. Either way. Yeah, kind of moved. Either way, it's not really clear what he did with the blood, but the police speculated that he was drinking the blood, and this kind of became a thing that, you know, around in the media and stuff, people just took as Why? fact. Yeah, I don't know, it doesn't... This is like, this is the early 20th century, not like the 1700s. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, it's catchy. They were kind of beyond witches and stuff at this point, right? Yeah, presumably, but but yeah. And then he would pickle them and seal them in the drums, so they were quite well-preserved bodies in there. Pickle. Which seems also really weird, like, why wouldn't he just, like, bury them somewhere where no one would ever, why, why keep them? And why why preserve them? I'm gonna guess this guy's probably not in his right mind. Yeah, but but at the same time, he kind of seems like he just wants the money, like a Birkin hair type situation. So you know, like why why keep them? Uh, I don't know. It's probably like I would guess he's because he's not killing Mrs. Well, Yakabuk. Even Birkin hair, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, and I think this guy's probably just more on the something wrong with you and the he wants the money, but he also clearly yeah maybe likes. Or doesn't have a problem with killing people. Yeah. And so I think probably. And he didn't kill his wife. He didn't kill her until she had an affair. So like, oh, you know. It's like, no, dude, he definitely well, did. No, but like it wasn't until <laughs> it wasn't until later. Like that one maybe was like, I kind of like you or something. And then she had an affair or something. I don't know. It just the whole thing seems a little weird. But of course, 
so they're, they're trying to track him down. Uh, and so finally, a few months later, in October of 1916, the detective Nagy, he, he does track him down. And it appears, indeed, Kiss had died of typhoid fever in, in a Serbian hospital, supposedly. Um, this is this yeah. this is kind of it seems like what happened, but of course people have spe- speculated since that perhaps not because, uh, for instance, uh, Charlotte Gregg in the book Evil Serial Killers in the Minds of Monsters uh, noted that mm-hmm. supposedly in 1920 a foreign a French Foreign Legion uh, soldier claimed that Hoffman was was kind of and a person who fit the kiss's description and went by Hoffman was bragging about his skills at strangling people. And so this kind of, uh, they investigated and supposedly the police investigated Ooh. and supposedly this Hoffman fled when, uh, to evade capture, but it's not actually clear if this, this actually, actually happened, happened or if it's just something okay. that came up, you know, people making up stories. Cause there was other stories too, like in 1932, uh, Henry Oswald, who was a, a police detective in New York, said he swore he saw a kiss in Times Square in New York, but it seems weird. Uh, like halfway around the world. Yeah. And so that's the thing. And then also in 1936, there was rumors that he was like working as a janitor. He would have been in his 60s by then uh, in New York City, but that was never investigated. So probably he probably just died of typhoid fever. And this is also why, because there was no trial or anything, we were lacking a lot of the details we might normally get because trial notes are great for, you know, really good details on things. But this one, there wasn't no investigation and we don't have like his side, like but when we don't have really insight of what he was thinking of all this. It was just kind of these definitely wanted money pickled them and drained their blood for some reason can you imagine like him in that in that where was he in serbia in hospital and he's like dying from typhoid fever yeah. he's like oh boy those guys back home are in for a surprise <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i'm gonna be dead so it's okay yeah. wow and that brings us to a rose for carl a horrific love story it's about to get even worse I think, like, I don't like, you know, the fact that he kills all these people and pickles them and stuff, but this one's just somehow more horrible. Or, like, uh, it's horrible. Uh, more disturbed. Yeah. But also harmless. There's literally no one was harmed. In... Well, that depends on how you feel about the desecration of corpses. Well, yeah, but they're maybe. dead. <laughs> I'm sure the, the woman in question didn't, you know, she, she's she dead. Mind. Yeah. She didn't mind. Yeah. If she was alive, she would have minded. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, okay. Carl um, Tanzler is the man's name, uh, and he was born in Germany, in Dresden, Germany in 1877. Uh-huh. And as a child, he claims, well, he would later claim that as a child, uh, one Countess Anna Constantina von Kossel, which was one of his long dead ancestors, supposedly, uh, came to him in a dream and told him there was a beautiful dark haired woman uh, that would be his true love and showed him, you know, what she would look like or whatever. And uh, whether he this actually happened or if he just made it up later, you know, isn't clear. But he probably he seems to have forgotten if it did happen because he married someone completely different um, in 1920. And they, yeah. they this couple, they had some kids. Then they immigrated to the U.S. kind of separately to Zephyr Hills. Zephyr well, Hills. I, I think it, it was, it's Zephyr Hills because I okay. Googled it. But I think he just mistyped okay. Zephyr Hillis, which I thought was an amazing name for a town. So I left in the typo. Zephyr Hillis. Zephyr sounds cool. Yeah, that is the double Zephyr Hills, Florida. Double mistake. Zephyr Hills, Florida, in uh, 1926. They kind of immigrate here. So, 1927, a year later, he leaves his wife. They don't get divorced. He just leaves her, and he goes to um, Key West, Florida, and he works as an X-ray technician there for at the U.S. Marine Hospital. And it is here in 1930, three years later, that he sees a a patient comes in. It's a beautiful, dark-haired young woman. 
who comes in. She's got a lung condition and he swears that this is the woman from his dreams as a child. And she had, it turns out she had tuberculosis and, uh, yeah, so they do x-rays on her. He gets to meet her, talk to her. Um, her name is Maria Elena Milegro de Hoyas and, uh, known thankfully as Helen. So we don't have to say that whole thing. Um, which this is the thing again, Maria, Maria, Mary, and they always go by a different name because everyone was named Mary or Maria or the like. Also, her name was Maria Elena Milagro de Hoyos. I assume from the Elena, Elena, Helen. Ah, yeah. okay, something. Gotcha. But yeah, yes, this is a thing. The the what the script I was originally going to do for this one that I was telling you, I worked for several a few days on so far and still needed mm-hmm. some time. This was it's so hard because everyone there's like seven women in this story. This this story <laughs> and every single one's name is Mary, and <laughs> and some of them because they're like mother daughter type thing. They have the same last name yeah. too, so it gets a little confusing sometimes. Um, but anyways, so this was just a thing. And so that is her name. And she goes by Helen. So he professes his love for this woman and just gives her jewelry, clothing, medical help, whatever. It's not really clear whether he told her about his like dream when he was younger, you know, mm-hmm. about, or if he was just treating her really well. And she, I mean, she's dying of tubercul- tuberculosis and, you know, the family was grateful for uh, everything he was doing for her. And so she helped, accepted his help. He would come over, help her give her remedies that he would concoct, which was seemed nothing helpful and also non-helpful <laughs> because he also kept giving her a lot of extra x-rays because that was like his job. And so that if she wasn't oh, no. going to die of tuber- tuberculosis, like eventually probably cancer was going to get her. Wait, we we knew x-rays were bad. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. yeah totally. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. This was known pretty, pretty quickly. So uh, Thomas Edison actually had a thing where they were doing the x-rays on one of his assistant, the hand continually, you know, just to, for fun, like to do stuff and this uh this person died of you know cancer uh and apparently well, dude if you didn't know it was bad for you you'd be like this is amazing yeah, and, i'm gonna x-ray myself in like loads of different positions yeah and i can't remember the quote now but he had a quote about this about how it like you know he was quite traumatized by this in the aftermath of course what the fact that he kept x-raying someone who died of cancer yeah <laughs> Yeah, uh, having an X-ray today actually. Oh, really? The dentist uh, yeah. having a <laughs> dental X-ray. Oh, it's very exciting. <laughs> Brain cancer it's here like you come. Life. <laughs> yeah, it's like I hope they do it a million times. Yeah. I don't. That would be horrible. Yeah. Wasn't there a story of someone who was left in an X-ray machine oh, and their no. foot was like completely X-rayed? To I mean, it was all at once, so I think they just had to amputate the foot. But it was like, wasn't it a kid or something was left in an X-ray machine Oof, with it turned on? That would yeah, be yeah, awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they forgot about him. And it went all weird. I'm going to um, add to the follow-up notes. Was a kid <laughs> left in an x-ray machine? Yeah. Okay. There we go. Stay tuned next week. <laughs> so, uh, Helen, unfortunately, she dies on October 25th, 1931. And so, Carl, he goes to the family and he says, I'm going to pay for her funeral. And they were like, great. That's awesome. But he's there's no simple grave for the love of his life. No, no, it is. He builds a mausoleum he pays for. This is, yeah, we'll put a picture up. Uh, it's kind of a little one, but it's still for one body. That's not bad. So he has this built. And uh, yeah, and so out of gratefulness for all he had done. Am I looking? Is that the mausoleum? Yes. The picture in the notes? Yes. That's pretty nice. Yeah. And uh, so the yeah. mother was like, all right, thank you for all the help you gave and for, you know, for this, you know, mausoleum for our daughter. So she, mausoleum. she gave nice. him, <laughs> she gave him some of the, some of uh, Helen's hair <laughs> as sort of a oh. memento. And this, of course, they would come to later regret this. Uh, so, so he starts every single night 
for a year and a half, visits the mausoleum, spends time there, you know, with his, you know, just dead love of his life. And then he claims, later he would claim, that Helen's spirit visited him one night while he was there and wanted out of the tomb. So uh-huh. he, he yeah. on April of 1933, he went into the cemetery with a little wagon and he removed her body from the mausoleum and took it back home with him. And as you might imagine, this was like a year and a half later or whatever. So um, she needed she needed a little a little TLC touch up. Yeah. yeah. Her body wasn't in the best shape. Uh, in the world. Right. Also, didn't she die of tuberculosis? What's the risk factors? Oh, like probably. There? I would think not at that point, right? Like, no. Everything's probably Still. worked itself out at that point. Um, two, a couple of years later. So he yeah. decides to restore her body as best he can. So he takes some, some wire and some coat hangers and stuff to reattach all her bones, make oh. sure they're not just falling off everywhere. And now her torso is, of course, you know, not really a thing. So he puts rags in her, in kind of the oh. chest cavity area. And then to get it kind of the right proportions, and then for some some stuff over the top, he makes some skin out of silk, wax, and plaster of Paris, uh, to kind of put over that part, the part that needs some new skin, you know, touching up there. And then he gets some glass eyes for her eye sockets to put in there. And then he fashions a wig, which he included some of the hair the mother had given him. So, you know, he put that back on there along with some, I presume there was probably still some hair there after only a couple of years. It was probably still. All right, so... Yeah, and then he, he I got nothing. I got nothing. He gives the puts her dresses her in some nice, nice outfit, jewelry, stockings, gloves, real fancy. You know, she's looking, she's looking her best after a couple of years. And then to prevent yeah. further decay and stuff, he starts to you know use preservatives and uh, disinfectants and perfumes and stuff to kind of keep her smelling nice. You know, mm-hmm. and then he's decided he's going to bring her back to life to like reanimate her. And so he takes dead Helen and he hatches a plan. He's he's going to build an airship. Uh, like a, uh, like a, that's gonna go to space. What is going on? And he's gonna, uh, as he put it, high into the stratosphere, so that radiation from outer space could penetrate Eleanor's tissues and restore life to her somnolent form. And there's a picture. We'll, we'll also include the picture of the plane that he built. Or the it's, does that work? No, Surely. it's not gonna work at all. But no. he was trying. That guy. Um, Why has he got such massive wheels? <laughs> Like, what does this airplane need? Well, it doesn't have wings. No, but it does have. Well, presumably he didn't finish it. (laughs) Uh, So seven years later, dead dead Helen's sister Florinda, which really Florinda, um, strange. She's what's wrong with Florinda? Florida. She lives in Florida. Her name's Florinda. Oh yeah. Okay. It'd be bad if her first name was Zephyr Hills. (laughs) Her parents weren't being inventive. So she she yeah. comes by because she's here. And wait, wait. Uh, isn't David Beckham and Victoria Beckham's son called like wherever he was conceived? Oh, really? So it's not that unusual, yeah. to be fair. Oh, that's true. Um, but so they... she Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The family's... They're hearing some rumors. Why, why do I know that? Sorry, carry on. The family's hearing... Just judging s- myself. Some rumors uh, that there's some weird things going on at the at Carl's household there, and like maybe that he's got some sort of a doll he's made in her image, in Helen's image. Oh, that ain't a doll. Yeah, and so Florinda comes over and she demands to see the doll and is like, "What are you doing, making like an effigy of my sister and like dancing and doing stuff with it every night?" Um, so this is a this. And what's with this weird plane? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just feel like that probably came up. Yeah. Um, so what she finds is when he shows her, it's not just a doll. It is 
her actual yeah. preserved sister um, that he's using and dancing with and doing this sort of thing. And so, the, of course, she calls the police. They arrest Carl, but it turns out statute of limitations for grave robbing already passed. So he and he wasn't... Wait, hold up. But he's still got the body. But there's nothing illegal about having the body. Right? I mean, they, no, they took it. That should definitely be illegal. They did take the body from him. Uh, but but no, it was it was fine. So the charges were dropped, and it is Florida. Like I don't know if that's if you know this, but like, and he is from Germany. Okay. <laughs> Florida is like the thing where all the weird news comes out of in the U.S. Like it's always Florida, always. Yeah. Um. So well, uh, I, I listen to uh, Adam Carolla's podcast, and he has a segment called Florida or Germany. Okay. And they read like a story like this, and the uh, they have to guess whether the story came out of Germany or Florida. Okay. I didn't know that about Germany. That's <laughs> good. But yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, so yeah, they, they start to look into what he was doing. And uh, he writes an autobiography, by the way, later, if anyone's interested in going and reading that. Hell no. <laughs> yeah. So they, they include, he danced, they slept in the same bed together. It's, it was rumored later that, like, they had sex. But because uh, apparently the rumor came up that he put a cardboard paper tube in her vaginal cavity for to function mm-hmm. as that. But that actually didn't come around to 1972, that story. So it's not generally thought that was probably true. And even if it was like cardboard tube, not that's not going to be comfortable. Um, no, no. Um, no. So, uh, so it's not really, no. it's not really known. So moving, just no, moving very, no calm, very swiftly on. Uh, well, you weirdo. Yeah. And why have you put a picture of this horrible? <laughs> is this the thing? Am I looking at this? This is the thing. Yes. Why do I have to see this? I feel that if I have to see this, everyone listening to this should have to see. Yes, this because everyone this God. as you might imagine, humans being humans, when this story was coming out, they they went they took the body to the funeral home, right? And then they put it on public display for some reason. And uh, so over six thousand people came to to look at the body of dead Helen, uh, or what he had done with it and everything. So. That's a thing that happened. And then, uh, so yeah, she finally got 1940. They put her in an unmarked grave somewhere in a secret location, supposedly. And yeah, that was the end of that part. But Carl, as for Carl. Can I just, can I just describe this? Yeah. It doesn't, uh, from the side, you know, those anonymous masks, the, uh-huh. the Guy Fawkes yeah, masks? Yeah, a little bit. I'd say like the female version of that with less of a crazy smile yeah. is what we're kind of seeing from the side here. Not, so just imagine the that. picture That's of restored. The picture of her in real life, much more attractive. <laughs> it's, I, do, I, I guess that would be the case after she's been rotting in a mausoleum. He wasn't. The picture of her in real life, she is a very attractive young woman. This is not a very attractive young woman. This is not a good picture. So yeah, so Carl... Carl, he makes a, at some point he made a death mask of Helen. It's not clear when, like when she was alive or when she first died or was it like later or whatever. So he made that. And then, so he returns to his wife who takes him back mm-hmm. apparently. And, uh, and she helps support him for the rest of his life. And, um, he writes an autobiography, Fantastic Adventures, published in 1947. How did he get that published? It was like, it was, yeah, I'm sure it was, he was like, Hey, Penguin. Yeah, I don't know if it was published by Penguin. Yeah. But it's a, really, and his wife took him back, no problem. And uh, oh. and also, also with this, he has this death mask that he made as sort of a effigy or doppelganger, whatever you want to call it, of Helen again. And uh, when he died, which is why we called it a rose for Carl, when he died, supposedly 
died with his arms around his little Helen doppelganger. And um, yeah, then it's not really clear whether this was, there's sort of like the rumors that he had somehow reacquired the body somehow, or whether it was just like from the death mask and he made a, a new one. But either way, he died in 1952 with his doppelganger Helen. Wait, so why did you call it a rose for Carl? What did I miss? Oh, that's the, so there's this story by um, William Faulkner, a rose for Emily. Yeah. And this is kind of the plot is this woman named Emily and she gets uh, some guy, I can't remember his name, uh, comes and he doesn't, I think, I think he didn't want to marry her or something. So she kills him. I think that's, I think she killed him. Well, no, she definitely killed him, but I think he didn't want to marry her. That's why. Uh, and so she poisoned him or whatever. And then later when she dies, they find in her bed is his body. And then she used to just sleep next to him type of thing. It, ah, it's like a short story. Okay. So she was like loved him or whatever. So, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's, it's, it's less horrible and it's also not real. Yeah. This was just, yeah. I, I wouldn't recommend going to look at that weird death. Funny enough, Rose, not the death Rose for Emily, just looking this up, 1930 was when that was published. So that was timely, timely very timely. <laughs> Not that long after. Maybe inspired Just him. a few years later. Well, that was, that was sweet. That was horrible. That's horrible. <laughs> he really liked, horrible. he really liked this Not girl. A love story. It's a love story of a sort. A really dark one. A Rose for Emily was a quite a popular little short story, so. I don't know it. Worth reading? No, I just pretty much spoiled the whole thing. Oh, okay. Noted. I'll focus on The Princess Bride. Shall we, uh, shall we <laughs> yeah. do a little housekeeping, do some reviews, yeah. um, do things like that? Yeah. Uh, so if you haven't emailed us yet, we announced the winners of our contest of reviews last week. So if you were on there, do drop us an email. Shall I read the names again, just in case people missed last week's and that kind of stuff, just real quick? Yeah, might as well. So uh, Sean Allison, who left us a review on CastBox, you won our competition. And the one is up were Twisted Linguist, who left a review on iTunes UK, and Jace7891, who left a review on iTunes US. You, uh, the latter two, you won $50 each, and Sean won $200 Amazon gift cards. So drop us an email, podcast at todayfandout.com, and we will verify you and get those off to you. In the meantime, we are doing another competition. Once we get to 300 reviews on iTunes US, we'll do the same thing and we'll just give away $300 Amazon gift card to someone selected randomly from reviews across all platforms. So don't feel we're forcing you to go onto iTunes or anything like that. Leave it wherever you like. And we are uh, major platforms, not like some tiny podcast app that no one's ever heard of because we can't aggregate them all, but we do our best. Um, not to aggregate them all, but just to go through the big ones. So we don't really do our best. We do our realistic. We make an effort. That's yeah. There we go. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, some people did leave us reviews. Should I just what, what, should I just pick them from the top or sure? Did you have any thoughts? Should do like iTunes uh, UK because we never read from those. Yeah. Why not? I'm going to head up iTunes UK. Let me just. Uh, uh, we have one uh, review on iTunes India. You can guess who it's from. Is it yeah. <laughs> Should we also pick a random country in general and see if we have any reviews? Yeah, after it this? definitely had to be English speaking. I, all the ones from non-English were nothing except for India. It was true. Uh, uh, so, okay. Like Australia, Canada had them. I didn't try Mexico, I don't think. So that's possible. Let's do Mexico. Okay. They, they, you know they speak Spanish there though, right? See, si. Just checking. See, <laughs> si. si, senor. Uh, okay. Um, oh, we do well on iTunes UK. 76 reviews, mm -hmm. 68 of which are five star, zero of which are one star. I'm just going to pull one from the top. Thank you, the Jacob. This is not the most recent. This is now the most recent. 
Nick is not a name. Thank you very much. My brain was very hungry. Now its cravings have been satiated and I am ever grateful for this bountiful supply of nourishment for my beloved thinking blob. Well, that was that was nice. Jess, 3333, says, brilliant. Five stars, thank you. Started listening to this uh, after I have spent the last few months binge-watching Today I Found Out videos on YouTube. This is a similar vein, brilliant, informative, and at times, hilarious. It's the perfect thing to listen to before the morning commute. I'm going to do one more. An East Coast Warrior. That sounds like very American for the UK iTunes store. Hmm. But I guess we do have an East Coast in the UK, but... I don't know if anyone calls it that. Discovered the podcast recently after years of following on YouTube. Great to get an extra weekly dose of researched facts. Well, thank you, mm-hmm. everybody. And also um, Avery Dill oh, random Kluber from YouTube says, uh, go watch The Princess Bride now. And it has many, many upvotes. Oh, how many upvotes? <laughs> uh, it has 13, which is the mo- oh, uh, second no. most of... On a podcast episode? Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. And then also someone says... Um, I left a comment, you know, and put my name on the end. And someone was like, Rick Harrison was like, you live, you live. What? I think because I, I haven't been on the YouTube thing in a long time. Uh, ah, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Dude, I'm loading Mexico. Do you think we'll have any reviews in Mexico? No. I'm going to say we'll have maybe a rating, but not a review. Oh yeah, probably. Uh, we don't even come up in the search for, <laughs> we, we search brain food. Ah, uh, dude. Oh, we have one review. Really? We have one review. In English? Uh, Status2000 says, I rarely type reviews, but this is so worth it. Don't miss it if you have a curious nature and enjoy learning something new and interesting. I wish you guys all the success. Thank you very much, our one Mexican reviewer. That's very kind of you. Yeah. I don't even know if you're Mexican, but I'm assuming uh, you're on Mexican iTunes. And You know, I'm still on UK iTunes because... It's just better to have, like, because I live in Czech Republic, but I, just, I, I still want it in my language. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming that this guy is actually from Mexico. It's fantastic. Thank you, Status 2000. <laughs> Anything else you want to do today? Or are we going to wrap it up? I think that's it for, for today. Exceptional. Leave us a review, all of that good stuff. Subscribe, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure there's other plugs I'm supposed to do, but I'm still not very good at being a podcaster. So yeah, for, for now, that's it. Thanks for listening. I think he means zebra. <laughs>